Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Donna Martini, writer, activist, and wellness coach for over 25 years, author of The Ten Commandments of Divorce, and a new release called My Mini Book of Mighty Mantras, featuring Mantra Mouse, a cartoon peace activist who promotes love and goodness. So you're about to meet one of the bravest and strongest women I know. She has such a special place in my heart because she was one of the Fab 14, one of the women who were willing to share their deeply personal stories when I was doing my study so that others can benefit from their experience. Get ready to hear a story of struggle which turned into triumph and transformation. I'm so honored she's here with us today. Here's Donna. Okay, everybody, you are going to love this episode because you hear me talk about the study probably all the time. And today we have one of known as the Fab 14, one of the study participants with us. So uh, she's just she's unbelievable. And I, I, I can't wait for her to share her story with you and the modalities and all the ways that she's found really helpful to heal. So welcome, Donna. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you again. We haven't seen each other since we did all that work, right? Uh, a long time. So let's just get started with um, just the study. What There were so many people who wanted to be in the study, and you were one of those people who you had the most incredible story, but I was so inspired by just your desire to want to sh- to, to share, be part of the study so that what you've experienced can help other people. Can you talk about maybe even just what motivated you to, to say yes and, and be a part of this? Well, because, you know, I sat in my betrayal in, in, for a long time and I didn't know how to get out. And then once I discovered that we make the decision to do that and we stop feeling sorry for ourselves, although, you know, it's human to do that, but it doesn't really help us. It only helps to make the decision to grow forward. And so once I did, that's when I started meeting people to help me through the process. And I started discovering different ways of self-treatment as well, because, you know, you didn't always have the cash to be able to spend on professionals. And I was learning EFT and tapping and all these different ways to get the trauma out of my system and out of my mind and to reroute it to become stronger. Because once we feel like a victim, guess what? We keep attracting it. And of course, I didn't know that when I was going through it. I was young and inexperienced. But when time and again, I kept on bringing in more betrayal episodes, I realized I'm the common denominator here and I have to change whatever's going on with me. And that sent me on a discovery trail that is so beautiful, obviously led me to you. And um, I became a coach because of it. One of the reasons why, and I wanted to share what I went through um, on the positive side. And I, I, and I, I want to dive into, to all of that. And you know, it's so interesting because one of the discoveries was the, the five stages, the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough. And now we know what happens at every stage and we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. And a part of what we know people need in order to move from one stage to the next was, was a lot of the things that you had done, which is so wonderful. I mean, it's just the most amazing contribution. So everybody listening, understand what was discovered now and is this science is based on a lot of the things that Donna experienced and what worked for her. So can you share with us just to the extent that's comfortable for you, maybe some of your story and then how how you realized you you need to do something to get out of this and, and change what you said was the common denominator, which was you. 
Right. Well, it started young. I mean, I can, there's so many different portrayal episodes going through life, but let's start super young when you're portrayed um, by a family member and then sexually abused. And I think that that's the scariest one because that taught me what men were capable of. And the person who was supposed to love and care for me and accept me as a, you know, as a child was treating me completely different. And that sort of changed everything about me and how I perceived myself. But then the next one was probably more horrific in that the episodes attached to it, which was my marriage, the episodes attached to it were really grave and scary, you know, like uh, feeling like your life was in danger or whatever. And, and um, again, someone who's supposed to love you has flipped it. And now this is the person you're supposed to, you're afraid of. And you're supposed to be afraid of them because they're capable of doing things to you that are just horrific. And so um, fast forward and leaving that marriage and feeling so powerful and strong, but then still attracting people who are lying and cheating and doing things behind your back. And I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, is this ever going to end? Because I knew there were really good men out there. I knew I was attracting the ones that were treating me badly and that there were my, my girlfriends who were married to wonderful men. It's not all men. Right. And, and I, ju- I have to stop you there because I specifically remember, and as I talk about the five stages, I, I talk about that survival stage. And I remember you explaining your survival stage and it was like heroic. I mean, it was really, there was this strength to you that it was like, if you can't help me get out of my way, how do I survive this experience? Where do I live? How do I function? How will I, how do I make this work? And it was just something, I mean, it was just, I, I specifically remember that strength where as you were sharing it with me, I said, there is no way this woman was not going to survive this. And you, you can't come out of something like that um, without the most amazing amount of confidence, which was so impressive. But then it's interesting because you're saying that even still you were attracting those toxic relationships. Why do you think you kept attracting those kind of relationships to you? Debbie, there's a big difference, as you know, between confidence and self-esteem. Mm. And so, yeah, I had the confidence because I was, I was making money through my marriage. I was the one who was the supporter. I, was, I finally got to a place where I knew I could leave and provide for my kids. And that survival mode kicked in. Uh, my survival mode kicked in so strongly because I was so afraid that I actually created a whole persona attached to it. And I, I tell the story that I was in the shower one day and I'm realizing that I'm shaving twice a day under my arms and my legs. And I'm like, okay, I have a mustache. Okay. I'm like, I have testosterone in like large forms in my body. And this is what's going on. I'm actually becoming a man. So that I, I, re- I remembered say, that. I didn't yeah. want to say it unless you well, wanted no, to. That's but, fine. Yeah. My body changed. And you know, also you get, this is a testimony to healing. You can't remember the stories once you heal so well. So it's hard to go back, which is why I wrote a book because I wanted to get it down. And I'm happy not to remember everything because it's sometimes it's painful to go back there. But now I can go back and laugh about it and realize that I was physically changing to survive. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the best thing I can say to people when you're going through this experience is I set a goal. This is before anyone even knew what the secret, the movie, The Secret or anything like that. I was manifesting. I had read um, Napoleon Hill, Thinking Grow Rich. And I think that's the original person that to bring this out here. He had a mentor as well. And I remember um, that that book stuck with me. I didn't know how, but it was coming out and manifesting itself in me by making me understand I need to create a goal. And I put a motive attached. And that goal was I want to be the best mother I could be. And the motive for the sake of my kids. 
And that sort of launched me and put me in a direction of where I needed to go. Did I always follow the guidance? I think that it took me years to realize I was becoming like a guy, you know, just to survive. So we go, we block out what we don't want to face or what we're too afraid to face. So through the process, I think that I did what I, the best I could. And then when I started to really break down the blocks and say, okay, let me hear to my soul, I'd have a talk. Let me hear what I need to hear. Because obviously I'm still attracting the negativity. I'm still attracting the men who are hurting me. What and, do I do? Yeah. And, be, and before you go on to share all that, I, I just, you know, this is a really important point because everybody needs to find whatever the motivation is going to be for them to get them to move forward. And, and it sounds like for you, it was your kids. And if you don't have kids, that's okay. There's got to be some motivation that makes you say, there's got to be something better than this, whatever it is. Um, let me pursue that. And also like the underlying theme here, Donna, what I'm seeing already, and this, and I talk about it all the time, there's a willingness, there's just a willingness to, to like, like you said, you were reading thinking girl rich. It was like, there's something about it. I don't really quite understand, but there's something about it. And it's that willingness to say, I don't quite know how to get myself out of this, but I will take, I just will put one foot in front of the other and just keep going. And, and I know you did that. So well, what did it, yeah. The survival mode came because I had to, I had to provide. I knew he wasn't going to, and I was scared. I actually read Think and Grow Rich when I was still married, when I was in my twenties. It was, a, uh, I was taking courses at night at the college and the, and the, and the teacher gave it to me to read. He says, I think you're going to like this. Now I read that book, Debbie, I'm going to admit to you in my twenties, I didn't understand maybe 60% of it, but I still read it and I didn't know why. But then later on in my thirties, when I was actually going through this process, left my husband and everything else. That's when I realized I was doing it. And I'll tell you how I read I wrote an article um, for a magazine and I was looking back to see a line that I remembered from the thinking grow rich book. And I started rereading it to find the quote so I could quote Napoleon Hill appropriately. And as I'm reading the book, I realized, wow, I'm doing this. Like I, I understand all of it now. Like it was in me and it's innate wisdom to be honest. You just need the willingness and once you create the willingness and you want to follow, I call it the soul guidance, you're lifting out of whatever it is you're going through. It doesn't matter how human you are, how stuck you are, or in denial that you are. If you keep on asking every morning, show me what I have to do today, you will be letting God about a higher part of yourself that's way above the betrayal. Mm -hmm. In fact, when you get so far above the betrayal, you look down and you realize, wow, if I didn't go through the betrayal, I wouldn't be as strong as I am. I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't have, if, if he didn't do that to me, I wouldn't have seen who he really was. And now mm -hmm. I have the opportunity to find who really loves me. Or if you stay with the person to understand they were human, they were broken. They did this not against me, but they did it against themselves. And that's the biggest thing. That is such a hard thing that we face because when it's done uh, to us, we think it's about us. Yep. And it's so hard to, to, to understand that it really has nothing to do with us, but from the place you're in now to where you've been, that's a big gap. So tell us how, tell, tell us the steps you went through to get from that willingness of, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mess, but I'm, I'm going to, and it's all about survival and for the sake of my kids to where you are now, what are some things that you tried? And you mentioned also, and this is so important. Talk therapy is amazing, but this stuff gets lodged in your cells. Yes. This is trauma and it needs to be released. So I know you did so many different things. Share them with us. Well, yeah. And you know, you don't know that in the beginning, you don't know it. You just know that you're almost being propelled by something that's going on, whether it's anger or fear and you're do whatever these emotions are. I can't consider them negative because they are protection factors that are built in for humans, you know, so we can't consider it negative, but we don't want to sit in them. 
We want to be happy. We want to be loving. And so when I was leaving my husband, I realized, um, and again, I was lifting out of the cloud and seeing that he was in, in, injured, an injured person, had his own, and I'm not going to share his background, but he had a lot to deal with when he was younger. And this is where, how he was expressing it. So I wanted to love him more for it. I was so happy not to be with him anymore, but I wanted to love him more for it. And in that process, I actually discovered I was manipulating myself in a positive way to be more loving because there were parts of me wanted to hit him over the head with a cast iron skillet, you know, Mm -hmm. or to be angry because he was doing so many negative things and it was so difficult. And I didn't want my life to end this, my marriage to end the way it did. But instead, I kept choosing to love him unconditionally. Because I married him and I, I, I separated it. I married him and his soul was beautiful. And I saw what he's capable of. But his human self, I literally had to be hit over the head with an iron skillet to realize what he was capable of. And that was my journey. So when I separated it all out and I realized it was, I called it positive manipulation. And that helped me to be more loving to him. But I didn't know at the time, Debbie. I did it for the sake of my kids. I didn't know it was changing me in such a profound and beautiful way. It was making me stronger every day to love him irrespective of what he did. And that's so just, and I forgave everything. I yeah. Mean, and, and, but that's, and Donna, this is something that takes people. It could take them a lifetime or more to figure out what even made you say, like what made you even want to choose love? I didn't want to be filled with the same pain, anguish, and anger that I had when I was with him. If I'm going to leave, I might as well do it the right way. I wanted to come through with love. And I, you know, I told you when I set that goal, I was being gifted. In my head, I was hearing this over and over and over again. So even when I wanted to be angry, it didn't feel right. It, it, on my, from my head to my toes, it didn't feel right. And I personally think that I needed to go through this journey so I could have the flip antithesis of it and write about it. That's why I wrote the book because I wrote the Ten Commandments of Divorce first because I, I realized that by loving him no matter what, 20 years later, my kids came out phenomenal. Like they were really healthy, strong, powerful people. They didn't hold grudges against anyone. And yet I was coaching so many families where the kids were going the opposite way because the parents were the opposite way. And, and I, and look, I can honestly say to you that this could be why my soul came to this earth. I don't know. And, 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 and I want everybody to know here's where, and, and we also found in this study, there was a real heavy lean towards spirituality. Whether you were religious, you moved towards the, the spiritual side of your religion, or whether you were not religious at all, you moved towards spirituality. And here's an example. I mean, Donna is sharing an example of really how it's not the human ego self, but the spiritual side that was even considering, let me see how I can uh, love in this scenario. And when people realize that holding on to the anger and unforgiveness is hurting themselves, when they realize that it feels so good to feel good and to be in the love state, it doesn't mean that they have to be with that person again. It doesn't mean that they have to consider them the same way. I think the biggest fallacy of life, and especially when it comes to marriage and divorce, is that in order to leave someone, we have to hate them. Or that the fact is, in order to rise up in strength, you have to hate someone because love makes us feel vulnerable. But the vulnerability is where our strength really lies, because that means we're leaving it over to the soul instead of the, like you said, the ego human self. And when I say ego and you say ego, we're not talking about being arrogant or egotistical. We're talking about the protection of someone just hurt me and now I need to be strong and against them. Okay, that is a typical response when we're human and we're allowed it and we shouldn't be faulting for ourselves for it. It's like it's like a protection, self-protection factor. We put on this armor. But I realize that our biggest gift is really carrying an armor 
a, a shield of love. If we put the shield of love on, we actually push that out as love and it changes the energy between ourselves and others. If we carry a sword of truth instead of a weapon you know, against someone, the sword of truth allows us to see things differently. So when I realized that I was seeing truth and seeing what was people were capable of doing to me, and I've been in betrayal after my husband too. There were other people. Um, and it was less and less betrayal which means that I was getting stronger because I was, I was attracting people who were less capable of hurting me. Right. But mm -hmm. the point is that whenever I took out that sort of truth and demanded to see, I'm talking on a soulful level, not with the other person. I didn't expect anything out of anybody. I would demand it myself and my soul. Let me see truth about this person. Crazy stuff would happen to let me see immediately what I'm dealing with. And then it would save me probably years of torment mm -hmm. because of that. And so we, we need to have to want to see it, Deb. We need to have to want to ask for it every day and demand it. I even said, I remember sitting in my bedroom at night and say, listen, if you have to put binoculars on my eyes and megaphones on my ears or, and push me into this future that shows me truth, I know I'm scared, but I also know it's good for me. Yeah. The way we do it. And, 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 you know, and I've said this in my TEDx, when the pain of where you are becomes bigger than the fear of the unknown, that's when we that's, jump. That's and you, it. It's exactly yeah. right. And I think yeah. that's a neat wisdom. I had the same thing. I think I almost said it the same way. And it must be soul to soul communication that does this for us. Because like, we're, we're all saying the same things. Once we reach mm -hmm. a certain point, we're all saying the same things. And it's not because we're plagiarizing each other. It's because it's innate truth. It's innate truth. And, you know, and I I'll never forget something else you said. And I, I loved it. You said, I'm going to feng shui my life. <laughs> well, I'm feng shui the crap out of my life. <laughs> exactly my address. I teach a course on that, actually. Explain what you meant by that. And then I want to get real practical with the, the actual different modalities that moved you towards healing. So, okay. so what do you mean feng shui the crap out of your life? Well, that's two things. That's a modality. Number one and two, it's its own little kind of people realize, don't realize how important the energy surrounding us is. As for instance, uh, I help people when they get through the coming through divorce and they move into a house. And the biggest thing with couples is what? Who's going to get what stuff, right? We see it all the time. And I tell people, you don't really want all that stuff because every single thing pulls energy. And so when you have everybody's energy from the marriage and it means you have hurt, you have minds of the betrayal, you have things that are going to trigger you. So the idea is go look into, go into your home and look around at every single thing, hold items in your hand and feel them. See if they make you feel good or if they make you feel bad. And if they make you feel bad, we got to get rid of it. Feng shui the crap out of your life by doing that. Then you can also, on the flip side, create positive, new positive forms of influence and energy by painting a beautiful color, um, changing your entire persona can happen simply by changing the paint in the room. Being willing to change the paint in the room even takes effort. Being willing to get rid of a couch that you both shared together and made out on couch constantly or, or, you know, or, or a childhood memory that you're holding on to, maybe a parent betrayed you, and for some reason you're holding on to this, this item. Why? You might realize it's because you're holding on to the anger and the unforgiveness too. You're not willing to let go. You're not willing to get to the next step. So feng shui is huge. And you know what? In the simplest of terms, everybody has experienced when they've cleaned out a drawer or room, you That's feel it. so much better. You just do. So I think I love what you're saying. Just see how, see how that thing makes you feel. And if it doesn't feel good, there's a reason. 
And you know what? You just brought up the biggest point because so many people don't know where to get started. And I say to them, I want you to sit and think right now, what is the one thing in your house or home that you can't stand that bothers you every time you open it or like a closet or whatever? That's where you start. It's a pile on your desk. I have somebody, it was a pile on their desk. I said, I want you to take one piece of paper off that desk and throw it out. Or look at it, read it, throw it out. And do you know that that started a cavalcade? They they went on a mission to do the whole house just because of that one pile. So can imagine how stuck we are. Feng Shui unstucks, unsticks us and gets us out of denial faster than anything else, which means you can't do it too fast either because you could be moving so much energy it actually causes disruption. So take time with yourself. And, you know, you need to push for the first, the first thing to do usually. Um, but then once that happens, it feels so good. You keep on doing it. Oh, I just so love that. So now take us, take us through some of the modalities that you, that you use, that you tried that really worked for you and you're like, and you, and how you felt when you did them. Okay. So the positive manipulation that I talked about before was of my first initial mindset change where I'm going to love my husband unconditionally, no matter what went on for the sake of my children. Then that opened up the door to positively manipulating other things. I realized you can manipulate your heart and your energy of your heart. You can, and I started doing that. Every time I wanted to talk bad, I changed my mind about that. Um, I started manipulating my body. I started taking different classes. I started learning more about dance. I started working out more. And not that I didn't have a healthy life, but I really stepped it up. I wanted my body to feel as good, you know, on the outside. I didn't want the stress to get to it either. Um, again, we, we, we move on from that. And I didn't know that I was doing meditation, but I started because I didn't understand that at all. It was way back. We're talking about before all of this was big. Okay. We're talking about, I was in my thirties and I'm not 58 now. So this was decades ago, but I started to listen to music, which really changed my, my whole uh, energy level. And again, I didn't know the word energy as much, but I would walk on the beach at night after my kids were asleep. My sister lived downstairs from me, so I was able to do that. And I would listen to opera. And I would walk the beach, and I would say to myself, how, how amazing it is, how lucky I am that I can listen to opera. And it makes me cry because it's so beautiful. Not letting people appreciate different types of music, right? But I did. And I thought I was the luckiest person in the world. And that started changing my whole mindset too. Listening and so to- far, so far, I just want to stop you. Every single thing you mentioned was, is free. Absolutely. I didn't have money. That's a great point, Debbie. I had no money. Literally, and I help plenty of clients who have no money. You know, I've been pro bono for many, many years. I do a lot of work pro bono. And that's why I always was like, I call myself the flea market queen because I can like make something out of nothing based on that. And I think that's even more important to understand because money might scare us. Or we might think, you know, putting money into something is another energy as well. Mm -hmm. When you do it for free and you do it yourself, you're almost feeling like you're doing something even more profound. Mm -hmm. So, yes, walking on the beach and now. I became such an avid walker. It took me to hiking and being in nature made me feel powerful. Now, fast forward. And I know I knew then, but I didn't know why. And science has proven now that the earth gives us the the negative ions and that negative ions makes our body strong. We should be supercharged. Grounding, right? right? Grounding is so helpful. Exactly. But I didn't know this as, as the truth back then. I heard it in my head as truth. And so I would help other people do it as well. And probably think people thought I was nuts. But there is something to the earth children, the flower children, everything else from the 60s. They knew it. They understood it and felt it. So now you can imagine if you start layering all of these things. I changed my diet. I took everything bad out of it. I was letting guided to what I needed to eat. 
Okay, I started eating less meat. I started feeling less connected to that. Fast forward two years later, I realized there's a lot of adrenaline issues attached with food, uh, meat, you know, and the way they're killed and everything else. And so also the whole idea of loving more. You don't necessarily want to kill a chicken for your lunch. So you're like, you know, it's all starting to unfold and unravel. And and, and before you even go on, I want everybody to, to, to hear a lot of what Donna did she just, she, she was trusting what she was feeling. And I think so many of us just ignore that or disregard it. And we get a feeling, but then we let our mind talk us out of it. But the feeling is always spot on. And if you strengthen that and trust it, it will lead you to your next steps. So Donna happens to, happens to be really tuned into this kind of thing, but still we all get feelings and we disregard it. But here Donna's sharing how Really, it was through this feels good. This doesn't feel good. And that's what led from one thing to the next. So yep. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. So go on. So then what did you do well, after that? Well, so it actually segues perfectly because yes, I did feel it. But then I started realizing once I did the positive manipulation and I set my goal in my 30s, I realized I was hearing another voice that was really intelligent, like really wise. And I actually took IQ tests because I thought I was getting smarter. <laughs> I wasn't getting smarter. It was really being in tune and hearing the soul voice. And then I started doing research. And this is before the internet, Deb. This was at the library, you know, where I was pouring into books and trying to discover what is really going on with me so I can take it to the next level. And so I did. And I discovered that we really have two sides of our brain. The left side of the brain is, you know, our thought process and our... That's basically the voice of the ego, mm-hmm. which is not only bad, it's human, but the right side, the intuitive side, the part where we dream, the part where we, you know, we have our beautiful uh, interconnections with the universe, that is where we're going to hear the soul voice. And I started to really be in tune with that. And that's when I started asking a lot of questions. What can I do next? And I started, I created a meditation called Q&A, ask a question, get an answer. Be truthful, I was so type A, I couldn't even sit still to meditate. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. And this is something that your listeners might want to understand. Meditation scared me. And I didn't know why until I went to someone who said, I I actually felt like I was going to hear or see something that scared me. Mm -hmm. And it was a self-protection factor because when you open up to meditation, you're opening up to a lot. And so I I started taking yoga and I would never stay for meditation, realized it freaked me out, and then had to go to the next level when I was ready to be able to hear or see what may come through. So I created my own meditation just to survive meditation, which sounds crazy, but no, it, it doesn't at all. And I, and I totally get it. And, and the whole Q and a thing, I do that with journaling. And I, and I learned that from conversations with God book, book one, Neil Donald Walsh. And, and I just really took to that. And for me, the, the journaling actually gave me something to do and which really helped. You did other things too. You mentioned at the very beginning, EFT and tapping things like that. Tell us about some of those. So uh, the journey led me and guided me to different practitioners who helped with that. And um, the the EFT, I would think, the tapping was one of the most profound things we can do for free. And we have websites. Brad Yates is one of my favorites mm-hmm. that you could just go to and just pick one out of two, two three hundred that suits you perfectly. And doing it two, three times a day seems excessive. Uh, but in the beginning, when you're going through, you may need to be fortified and you might want to do it. It's only five or six minutes anyway. And then um, there's the healing code, which I absolutely love. And I did that, the last betrayal that I had. And that was the, probably the toughest because you would think that by the age of 50, you would learn better and you would learn faster. Why am I going through another betrayal? And I was so hard on myself. But I realized that that relationship opened my heart. 
And so that led and guided me to the healing code, which is all about the heart and healing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and releasing, like you said, it gets trapped in the myofascia, it gets trapped in, in an organ. We need to release that. So these are physical processes we can do. I also did EMDR, mm-hmm. eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And I thought that probably was one of the most profound. It was one of the first things I did. And I would love one day we should just talk about EMDR because it's that important to I release trauma. To. And that brought me back to the betrayal but in a way that was so innocent, Debbie, that I didn't feel threatened. And it released it so fast that it was like a snap of the finger. And I, some of the most negative things I was dealing with went away. Okay. Especially since the trauma that I went through was so horrific. Um, it involved being choked. It involved knives and weaponry. Okay. And it was released from me in like an hour session, which mm-hmm. was it sounds insane, but it was. No, I, rem- I remember you sharing that story. And I, I mean, I had goosebumps. It was just, and then you said how profound EMDR was. It's yeah. just an amazing, it's an amazing tool. And, but, and it's important to find someone who's trained in that and who can help you through it. Yeah. And, and if money is an issue because EMDR is something you can't do yourself. There are EMDR tapes that you can listen to. But just mm-hmm. so I don't want people to think that this is something they t- take on themselves. They really need a practitioner because they could be going through some trauma. Mm-hmm. But after the fact, I listened to EMDR tapes that I bought on Amazon for a dollar. And they're the music with the tones from ear to ear. And that's what EMDR does. It creates a left to right brain hemisphere uh, interaction and then we get right to the core but if you if if i can i want to tell you the simplest most profound healing that i found that i've gotten which led me to write the last last book my mini book of mighty mantras was repeating positive phrases over and over and over again to reroute our brains because what happens when we go through trauma and you know this you wrote the book and you got your dissertation on this right that when we inculcate it over and over and over again, we route our brain towards that. And that creates the energy that we project. And that's why we attract more. You said, why did you keep attracting it? Well, here's part of it. Part of it was because I was so afraid of being betrayed again that I actually created that more than I did anything else. And I walked into what I was fearful of. Okay? Absolutely. So, so Donna, what I would so love if you could share one of the mantras and tell us about the book and tell us how we can learn more about you. Absolutely. Well, the book is set up, it's 369 mantras, believe it or not. And uh, I'm trying to- Over delivering. That's what that's about. That, more well, than one a day. But guess what? It's only one a day. And the book actually goes through the process of, of teaching us- um, what the, what our bodies go through, the science and spirituality is in the book, the first 50 pages. And then the last 150 are just mantras and messages. I call them musings because there's a little message attached to it that will help change your mind. And then the mantra helps change you on a cellular level. Okay. Now we are made of sound energy. We're sound, light, and scalar energy. So this is really profound that we use our voice and we, we say it out loud and we even put our body into it. The book explains it all. It's really simple. And the book is like four by six. It's so tiny. It fits in your purse. It fits in your desk. I actually designed it to fit into the back pocket of Levi's. Oh. Okay. Levi's or Lee jeans. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so here's basically a couple of this two specifically on betrayal. And I, I'm going to admit to you, Deb, I wrote these with you in mind. I knew I had to cover betrayal. And uh-huh. it was easy for me to go there. It didn't come naturally out because it's just not something that I go back to. Right. I don't think I'm blocking it, but I think it's just that I feel so healed about You're it. You're healed. I That's, yeah. not about it anymore. Beautiful. But, Even better. So share with us right. the betrayal mantra. Okay. So here's one. As far as betrayal is concerned, we need to remind ourselves that we can't change another person, but we can forgive them for being so human. 
Then we can turn our minds and energy away from the hurtful act and put our focus on restoration for ourselves. When we do this, a new direction will be revealed and our life will become what we want it to be. And the mantra for it is restoring, healing, lifting. Restoring, healing, lifting. And you say that over and over. I get chills even talking about it, just from head to toe feeling that. So that's like super important. Then again, Debbie, these came to me very serendipitously. You know that you do automatic writing. I would hear things in my head. And when I wrote my own stuff, I'd be like, yeah, this is okay. But when I wrote what was really coming in soulfully, I would get chills. And I would know this is far beyond me. Mm-hmm. So I don't even take the credit for the book. I only take the credit for sitting there and putting it out on paper, which is a lot. And you know what it takes <laughs> to write a book, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other uh, mantra is, and again, you would be picking this serendipitously. You'd be just fingering through the book. Maybe your eyes are closed and boom, you'd pick one for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's another one. It takes time because we make it take time. Forgiving, forgetting, and healing from betrayal will take as long as we let it take. Having patience with ourselves and the process of healing is good, but knowing when enough is enough is sublime. And the mantra is helping myself move beyond this. And I think that's what we need to do. It's a little bit of nudge. It's a soulful nudge, but we're still loving ourselves through it. But even if you, the, the betrayal happened a day ago, okay, you need to want the healing. It's still going to take the time it's going to take. It's going to lead you and guide you to a Debbie Silver or to whoever or, you know, all the tools that you need. And you're allowed that process. But if you already decide that you're healed, you will be every minute of the day moving forward, becoming stronger and better for it. Oh, Donna. Yeah. If you are such a warrior, such a shero, everybody, I hope you're paying attention. I mean, here's someone who's been there and back and is one of the most loving, generous, kind human beings. She's barely human. She's so spiritual, (laughs) but she's just one of the most just brilliant people I know. I am so grateful for what you shared with us today. How do we learn more about you? Where do we get the book? Where do we learn more about you? Well, first, I just have to say how proud I am of you. And please don't take that as a condescending thing. But, you know, I have a friend who's a doctor. So I'm like going to say it. Okay. So you, what you did and, and the work that you did to, to reach this level and status and opening your business, everything else, I'm like, you're my Shiro because I look up to you. And I just started a business out of this, um, which is Mantra Mouse. And Mantra Mouse is the character that goes with the book. And uh, you can reach me at mantramouse.com. DonnaMartini.com. I'm on Facebook, YouTube. Um, and please get in touch with me because I'm the kind of person I want to share. I want to talk. I want to help. And I speak still free at all different uh, not-for-profits and governments and schools. Um, but now companies can hire me and we can hopefully, I use the money to pass down to help more and more schools and more and more not-for-profits. Mm-hmm. So it's all good. And all the uh, paraphernalia attached to Mantra Mouse will be available soon. So we'll have t-shirts that give these loving messages and mantras. And uh, the cartoons that I put out, I became a cartoonist, Debbie. This is unbelievable. I'm a cartoonist. Who knew? Who knew? But you know what? But you know what that shows? What on the other side of healing is the strongest, wisest, most empowered version of you. And you never know what's going to show up, but it's always so exciting and always so good. Donna, I want to just really, I want to thank you so much. Uh, I want to personally thank you. And I know I'm saying thank you uh, for the audience because I know every single person who is hearing this has been uplifted. You've given them hope. You've given them them insight. And I know your website is going to blow up because I know that's where everybody's going to go. So thank you so much for your wisdom, for your journey, for sharing it as one of the Fab 14, which has led to my business and what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just so completely grateful for who you are and what you do. Thanks. Well, thank you, Debbie, for the grace that you put upon me today, for sure. Thank you so much. 
I loved so many things Donna shared from her positive manipulation strategies to her philosophy of feng shuiing the crap out of your life. She's done it all and she so kindly shares her wisdom with others. Stay in touch with Donna by going to mantramouse.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Find whatever motivation you need to survive, then trust the messages you're receiving. It's so common to let the voice in our head bully the wise wisdom of our soul. But by following those intuitive nudges, those feelings that just seem to be telling you that something is or isn't right for you, it's the key to moving from one end of betrayal to the other. Donna did it and so can you. Now, having said that, this is hard work. So let me give you a gift. Head over to pbtinstitute.com to receive my gift of how your biggest crisis reveals your greatest gift. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough. Breakthrough.